Thank you, Gary. I'm so glad that we have a God who is not trying to hide himself from us, but instead he reveals himself to us. When you stop and think about it, that is unlike every other religion in the world, because every other religion, you have to, you have to decipher something. You've got to figure something out. You've got to climb somewhere and establish a foothold in order to approach God. But our God approached us. Romans 1, 18 through 24, I kind of broached this this morning. I'll talk about how God revealed himself and people still rejected him. Um, last week, people want to argue about why is there evil in the world. Tonight, I want us to think about people arguing about, well, what happens to the pygmies who die in Africa and never have the opportunity to hear about Jesus? Or something like, you know, what happens to the folks who never hear about Jesus? What happens? You hear that a lot debated. And this passage in Romans 1, verses 18 through 24, addresses that issue. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the ungodliness, all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, this eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. How about that? We are without excuse. Although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore God gave them over in the sinful desires of their heart to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another." I'm going to read verse 25. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. Amen. Why do people worship created things rather than God? If they reject God, then obviously there is a need, a desire that has been placed into the hearts of each one of us to worship something. And God has placed it there out of a desire for us to know and worship him. Let's bow together. Father, we are without excuse. You have revealed yourself to us in so many different ways. And if we don't see you, it's because we choose not to. Every day, your hand is working all around us. And so much it seems like we go through life with blinders on, just looking straight ahead and not seeing the the beautiful thing in nature that you created or the rain that you provided or this air that we breathe or uh, this world in which we live so perfectly balanced these bodies that you have made where every chemical process is in perfect rhythm and perfect balance to sustain life you are a master creator. And those who do not see have to work hard to choose not to.
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It seems like there's so many movies and books out now that have a plot surrounding secrecy. Everything is secret. I remember some of my favorite John Grisham books. Uh, you remember the firm? The, what was the law firm? Bendini, Lambert, and Locke. And they're supposed to be this legal law firm, but really, Mitch McDear finds out later on that they're just a front for a mafia mob, and they keep a couple of uh, legitimate businesses to keep some associates and secretaries busy, but underneath, they're really just laundering money and, and conducting fraud on behalf of the mafia. It's all about secrecy. So many books these days have phrases that we used to not hear very much about, like plausible deniability. I've heard about that. And... Uh, the need to know. That's on a need to know basis. That's why we didn't tell you about it. So many secrets. And because of that, I think people have transferred that over to God. And one misinformed church member said, had gotten the wrong impression of God. He said, God is a lot like our pastor. I don't see him during the week, and I sure don't understand him on Sunday. <laughs> so he was, I hope he was, he was mistaken about God and the pastor, because as I thought about God this week, God is exactly the opposite. All of his energy and all of his resources are directed toward making himself known to the whole world about who he is and what he wants to do. From the moment when creation began, God has been revealing himself in this world that he has made. He is not closed. He is not secretive. He is not hidden. He is open. He wants us to know him, and he has made himself known to all mankind. And, and that's different from all the other religions in the world. In the other religions, you have to do something in order to get to God. You have to go through religious disciplines. You have to undergo some kind of spiritual contortion in order to reach God. There's been a lot of fuss about other religions, Buddhism and Hinduism and the New Age movement and all these kinds of things. Because movie stars have embraced them, and they apparently carry a lot of influence. I don't know why. But in a religion of works such as they, you have to do a lot your entire life to reach them. And in some of those religions, if you don't reach them in this life, that's okay. You can come back in a few more lives afterwards and continue your climb in reincarnation. But the main difference between those religions and Christianity is very simple, and it's this. In every other world religion, you climb up to God. But in Christianity, God climbed down to us because he wants us to know him and he wants to reveal himself to us. Go to every culture on the face of the earth, and you will discover that every people, the pygmies, every culture, everybody, whether... Uh, a Christian missionary has been there or not, you will discover that every people has an innate knowledge of an awareness of an Almighty that created this world. Whether they're at the end of the Amazon or in the Orient or in Africa or in Australia or even the non-Christian who's sitting at home on Sunday, all these people have some knowledge, some awareness that there is a divine creator Paul says in verse 19, that which is known about God is evident with them because God has made it plain to them. 
We can't comprehend the whole picture of God unless we understand how he revealed himself in this world he has made. So how does he disclose himself? Three simple things I'm going to give to you tonight about the way God discloses himself to us. And the first one is in creation. God reveals himself to us in creation. Theologians call this general revelation. But in the world God has made, God revealed himself, and Paul alludes to it in verse 20, since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. Since in the creation of the world, God's powers have been seen, understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. And Paul kind of echoes that in his sermon at Lystra in Acts 14, 17, where Paul says about God, and yet he did not leave himself without witness and that he did good and gave you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with good and gladness. So what do we know about God from the creation around us? from this world that he has given to us. In the creation, God reveals his existence and his excellency. The existence of the world calls for the existence of a God who made the world, just as the existence of my watch. This is the old watchmaker argument. The existence of my watch proves that somebody made this watch. It didn't just assemble itself and fall together. Somebody with some design and intelligence have, had to make it. And let me tell you, this watch does not begin to compare to the complexity of the human body or of this world or how this world relates to other worlds or any process that our bodies do. I, I talk to Catherine a lot about what she's learning in medical school and, and every Every evening when she calls, she tells us something about the human body and, and how the miracle of, of how God put it together and made it happen and made it come together so perfectly. So the existence of my watch calls for a creator, a watchmaker who assembled it. And the beauty and order of this world suggests a God behind the scenes that put this world together and started it spinning and put it perfectly tilted on an axis revolving around the sun. If you look at a, a striking painting of an artist or, or just a striking painting, it suggests that there's an artist with creative skills that produced it and, and the most beautiful artwork in the world. It doesn't compare to a sunset. Have you seen some beautiful sunsets recently heading, heading west? I look up at that and I just think, way to go, God. That is so beautiful. Man could never have done anything like that. He would have messed it up. But God, only God can do it. I remember one time when I was a young person, I was out on a retreat. And we were up in the mountains and it was near a waterfall. And it was just overwhelming. And I began humming, I thought I was by myself, and singing, Oh Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all. And then I looked around and somebody was laughing and so I stopped <laughs> singing. But that song just points to the beauty of God's created. All the worlds thy hands have made. I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder. Thy power throughout the universe displayed. 
God has done that in creation. And it's a revelation that can be seen by everybody, every culture, every nation, everywhere in the world. So he reveals himself in creation. Secondly, God has revealed himself, how? In history. He's not an idle spectator on the affairs of this world, but he is involved in and carefully and deliberately working out his plans in the midst of the world's events. And it's testified to over and over again in Scripture. As a matter of fact, it's the heart of the Old Testament. The Old Testament concept of God was not developed simply by looking at nature. But the Old Testament concept of God was shaped by remembering and reciting over and over again the mighty acts of God in the history of Israel. Turn over to Psalm 105. And that is the most um, specific historical rendering of God's actions on behalf of Israel. And, and the thing, if you look through the Old Testament, the thing that is really striking is how many times Israel repeats what God has done for them over and over again. They, they remember and they recite and they teach it to their children and they pass it down and, and then they talk about it again. This is what God did here. This is what God did. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob who rescued us from the land of Egypt, from the land of bondage. And in Psalm 105, give thanks to the Lord. He has made Make known among the nations what he has done. Tell of all his wonderful acts. Glory in his name. Remember the wonders he has done, his miracles and judgments. Verse 7, he's the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He remembers his covenant forever, the covenant he made with Abraham, the oath he swore to Isaac. Verse 12, when they were but few in number, few indeed, strangers in it, they wandered from nation to nation, from kingdom to kingdom. He allowed no one to oppress them. Verse 16, he called down famine on the land, destroyed all their supplies of food, etc. Verse 23, Israel entered Egypt. Jacob lived as an alien in the land of Ham. The Lord made his people fruitful. He made them too numerous for their foes. Verse 37, he brought out of Israel laden with silver and gold. And from among their tribes, no one faltered. And then it just goes on all the way through Psalm 105. It's a good summary of the history of God's dealings with the children of Israel. So he not only revealed himself in the created order, but he also is revealing himself in history if you look. And when you look at history, what do you learn? You learn his purpose and his patience. The purpose of God is to redeem the world and to restore us in a right relationship with him. That's why he saved Noah through the flood why he sent Abraham to live in the land of Ur, why he sent Moses to deliver the Hebrews, why he established Israel in the promised land, why he sent David on the throne of Israel, why he sent his prophets to the people, why he restored the faithful remnant, why he eventually sent Jesus to be the Christ. God's actions in history are directed toward the fulfillment of his purpose, and his purpose is to redeem us and restore a right relationship with him. That's his purpose. But he also reveals that he is patient in doing so. Peter said it like this. Why does God move so slow sometimes? Why does it seem like it takes forever? Second Peter 3.9 says, 
The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness. But he is patient toward you. Why? Not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. So God's not slow. He's just being patient. Because he wants everybody to come to repentance rather than perish. And so he has extended the time so that others might come and repent and be saved. So you have a revelation in creation. You have the revelation of God in history. But what's the perfect revelation of God? It's in Jesus. The perfect revelation of God is Jesus. Because creation and history, there is some degree of uncertainty. How can you know if something is really a revelation from God or just a subjective figment of our imagination? How can we know that it's God speaking through the experience of of nature and history? Is there some norm, some special unveiling by God by which we can measure every other revelation in nature and history. What is the standard of measure? The answer to all these questions is yes, there is a standard of measure. And that perfect revelation is where God made himself known in Jesus Christ. Hebrews 1.1 says, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days he has spoken to us in his Son. He spoke in a lot of ways through a lot of people in the old days, but now he is speaking to us through Jesus. That's why people say Jesus is the final revelation, the perfect revelation of God. All religious experiences and all revelations from God have to be measured up against and judged according to his perfect revelation in his son Jesus. And whatever we understand about God from creation and whatever we understand about God from his dealings in history have to be measured against how he revealed himself in Christ, the God of love who was concerned for the redemption of all mankind. That's why Jesus answered Philip's question Jesus, Philip said, show us the Father. And Jesus said, have I been with you so long and you you have have not yet come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. That's in John 14, 9. That's why Paul called Jesus the image of the invisible God. In Jesus, God made himself known to us. So what do we know about God through Jesus? We know from creation his, his excellence We know from history his purpose and patience. And we know from Jesus his love and mercy. This God who created our world and holds it in the palm of his hand is a God who cares for us and loves us and knows us by name. He loves us so much, he comes to us, he loves us so much, he he became one of us. So much he loves us that he paid the price for our sins. He revealed himself in Jesus, and it is a revelation of love. In Jesus, we discover that God not only wants to save us from our sin, but he wants to give us life. 
And he not only wants to give us life, but he wants to give us a full and abundant life. Paul put it like this in Ephesians 2, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us made us alive together with Christ in order that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. So God revealed himself in the creation, in history, and in Jesus. So what does that mean? Let's make it relevant. What it means is we can know about God. We can know of his existence because he revealed that to us in creation because this creation could not have happened were there not a God who created it. We know about God and his purpose and patience because he revealed to us in history and we see through his dealings with Israel in the Old Testament and his dealings with us today that he is a God who has a purpose and he is a God who has patience. And we know he's a God of love and mercy because we've seen it revealed in Jesus. And were it not for God revealing himself like this, we would know nothing of him. But he revealed himself to enable us to know him because he wants us to. So we can know about him. But there's an even greater truth. Because God has made himself known in creation and in history in Jesus. Not only can we know about God, but what? We can know God. We can know him. And you know, there's a difference between knowing about somebody and just knowing somebody. I know about, let's see, I know some things about Robert E. Lee. I read a couple of his uh, biographies. I, I know a little about his career. I'm fascinated by the Civil War and uh, how he guided the, the South. I know a lot about Robert E. Lee, but I don't know him. I don't know him. And the message about God in the Bible is that in his revealing himself, he didn't just reveal things about himself, but he revealed himself to us. He opened himself up and made his, himself vulnerable to us. Because of that, it's possible for us not only to know about God, but to know him, to know him. And that's what he wants. And that is reason to rejoice. God not only reveals facts about himself to us, he reveals himself to us. You want to know how to find him? It's not hard. Jim Elliott, that missionary to the Aka Indians who was slain in the 1950s, said... God is still on his throne, and man is still on his footstool. There's only a knee's distance between them. God is still on his throne, and man is still on his footstool, and there's only a knee's difference between them. You want to know God? Spend some time with him. Read his message. Think about it. Because this is not just a history book. It's not just a book about creation. It's not just a story of God, about God. But it is his message to you. 
And he wants to reveal himself to you. And when you read it, you see him shining through every word on every page because he is a God who reveals himself. Let's pray. God, we know you're, you're revealing yourself. But our eyes so often have scales over them. And we refuse to see. And we think a lot of things that happen in this world are mere coincidence. Or good luck or bad luck. And we assume that good things that come our way do so because we have made them come about like that. And when bad things happen, it must be because we did something bad to deserve it. But God, I stand before these folks tonight and in your presence to declare the truth that you are a loving God and that you have done all you need do to reveal yourself to us perfectly. From the beginning of time, you began revealing yourself in creation and how perfectly you placed this world and fit it together. Then you revealed yourself in history through the pages of the Old Testament and through the books of the New Testament. We see you working because you aren't a God who just sat on the sidelines and watched things happen, but you became involved. And not only did you become involved, but through Jesus Christ you entered into this world and revealed yourself perfectly to us. And so we want to know how you might think about something, we can look at Jesus. How you might respond in a certain situation, we can look at Jesus. We want to think about how much you love us, we can look at Jesus. Because when we've seen him, we've seen the perfect manifestation of you. Let the scales fall and help us to see you not only know certain salient facts about you, but to know you, that we might make you known. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.